The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents a 25th Silver Anniversary College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, here's your host, Phil Houck. Double-digit wins. One standard of a successful college football season is to hit double digits in the win column. In its 135-year history, the Irish have reached double digits in their win totals 22 times. When seasons were shorter and the Irish didn't go to bowl games, not surprisingly, it was really rare. In fact, until 1948, the Irish played many seasons with only nine scheduled games. Nonetheless, Rockney hit double digits twice, and Leahy once. Starting in 1948, 10-game schedules became the norm, and the Irish started going to bowl games regularly in 1969. During Era's 11-year run, which started in 1964, he hit double digits three times. Dan Devine won double digits and a national title once in 1977. In the modern era, since about the time Lou Holtz came to town in 1986, an 11- and then 12-game regular season schedules and bowl games became common, double-digit win seasons have happened 13 times. Lou hit 10 or more wins five times. Bob Davey never did it. Ty Willingham did it once in 2002. And Charlie Weiss did it once in 2006. And then Brian Kelly came to town. Through 2020, Brian Kelly's teams have accomplished the feat six times in 11 seasons. And this week on Senior Day against Georgia Tech, Kelly goes for his seventh overall and fifth consecutive double-digit win season. This prolific run of winning started in 2017 on the heels of the disaster that was 2016, a point in time when the program needed an overhaul. Brian Kelly was on the hottest of seats, and he deserved to be. Since then, to say that there has been a remarkable turnaround understates the accomplishment. In fact, if the Irish manage to win out in the 2021 regular season, they will have averaged 11 wins per season for the last five years. Oh, and that would be the most successful five-year era in terms of winning ever in Notre Dame football history. Holy double-digit wins, George Kipp. You play to win the game indeed. And since 2017, the Irish have been playing it quite well. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. Raise the bar with only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. 
Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sharon McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus they're AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sharon McCulloch. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Hi, this is Brett Rump. Congratulations, Phil and Tim. 25 great years of Fighting Irish Preview. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester, last week, 13 guys out with the flu. Four captains out, Davis, Hamilton, Tagliavoa, Mosa, Drew White. So with all due respect to Brennan Armstrong being unable to go for Virginia, Notre Dame had a really shorthanded football team, but somehow it really was business as usual on the field. They, you know, a lot of young guys did a great job, Phil, of, of stepping in and, and just <laughs> – just uh, doing a great job. I mean, they. Uh, you look at Ramon Henderson, who had not played any safety. I thought he did extremely well. Xavier Watts is is really coming along quickly. Bo Bauer was Bo Bauer was great. He was dynamic in place of Drew White. So you know, I think that's a testament to the depth. It's a testament to the talent that Brian Kelly has collected. They did a great job. Now, not having Brennan Armstrong really hamstrung. Virginia, because that's, I mean, he's the best player on their team. Uh, Notre Dame was missing their best player on the team and Kyle Hamilton as well. So uh, tough conditions. The, the flu bug has continued to bite a little bit this weekend in preparation for Georgia Tech. But uh, you know, I thought that the older guys stepped forward and the, the younger guys filled in in a way that looked like older guys doing it. Well, building depth, and uh, we'll talk more about that flu bug in the second segment, but uh, – you brought him up first, and that was Ramon Henderson, and I wanted to talk about him first among the young players that really contributed last week. On Monday of last week, Henderson, who had the flu at the time, was informed, uh, you're moving from corner to safety, you got a new position to learn, and he played really, really well. 
And I wrote in my column on Sunday, I go, you know, I almost apologize for saying this, but I thought he looked a little bit like Kyle Hamilton out there. And then lo and behold, I heard other pundits saying the exact same thing. He played really, really well. And is that where his future is? Well, I think it is. I think it probably should be because there was such a comfort zone for him. And in terms of comparing to Kyle Hamilton, he made a similar type play where he came from the hash near the sideline to, to make an interception like Kyle Hamilton did against Florida State. Make no mistake, we're not making a comparison between the two uh, arcs of, of, uh, uh, of football moving, moving ahead. But uh, Henderson did a great job. And, and look, they need, they need safeties moving forward. And, and I mentioned Xavier Watts. Uh, Riley Mills did a great job, too, on the defensive line, defensive tackle. Um, you know, they need those safeties and Ramon Henderson. He just looked very, very comfortable at that position and it would make sense to progress with him there. My comparison to him, though, on that play, that the style of how that play developed did have something to do with it. But he's got a little bit of the length, not quite as much, but he's got yeah. some of that same length as Hamilton, a little similar that, body type. Yeah, and that length kind of hurts him at corner a little bit, you know, and there, there's just a there is a lack of comfort zone for him at corner, and it certainly didn't look that way at safety. Yeah, okay. Okay, all right. Well, we brought up Kyle Hamilton, so we might as well talk a little bit about him. Uh, I thought Brian Kelly was a definitive this week on Monday, and we learned probably more about his injury and prospects for coming back uh, for the uh, Fighting Irish. Uh, so you tell us, what are the chances that we see Kyle Hamilton again in blue and gold? I think the only way it happens is if Notre Dame make, um, you know, lands one of the four playoff spots. Um, so... They're going to need help. I, I, you know, I wrote it in my column after the game. I, I, there really isn't a whole lot that Notre Dame can do to raise their profile. They're playing two, three, and seven teams coming up, uh, and it, it's all contingent upon what happens uh, to the seven teams in front of them. So, I really think that's the only way that Kyle Hamilton plays is is if Notre Dame's in a, a playoff spot. Okay, and and that's understandable because. I saw one projection that had him as the fourth overall draft pick. Last year's fourth overall draft pick in the NFL draft signed a contract worth $32.9 million, including a $21.3 million signing bonus. That would be at risk for a game that you know really doesn't get you anything other than sixth place at best. And I, I get that. Okay, I understand that. I don't like it, but I get it. All right, another one of those young players was Logan Diggs, and we've talked to him a couple times in the last few weeks. He's just been terrific to watch. So so here's my question about Logan Diggs. Tim, when he was coming out of high school and you analyzed him, how has he compared to that analysis you did of him coming out of high school? And what did you think last Saturday when he hurdled that six foot two Virginia defender? Don't get hurt. That was my that I that was my first thought with that. I, I I declare a limit to one of those per year because as spectacular as it looks, it's not a it's not a great thing to do health wise and ball protection. But he's a phenomenal athlete and a very confident running back. You know, when I saw him in high school, the one thing that the one problem I saw in his game was just a a penchant for as soon as he would see any type of roadblock between the tackles, he would kick it outside. Well. When you move up to the next level, uh, you don't always you don't always have that opportunity because guys can run you down wide. So, um, you know, and I and that has still at times on a few handoffs so far this year where he kicks it wide when I think he should be a little bit more patient. But other than that, he's a dynamic runner. He's tough. Uh, he's physical. 
He, I don't know that he has great speed, but he has very good speed. And uh, he looks like a winner. I mean, he looks like the heir apparent to Kyron Williams to me. I know Chris Tyree is there, but Chris Tyree doesn't break tackles anywhere close to the way Williams and, and Diggs do. So I think Diggs has a, has a step up right now as they move forward. Uh, once Kyron Williams leaves Notre Dame, which we expect to be after the season. Yeah, that future looks bright uh, in the running back room. Didn't you think, though, that when he – and I know hurdling generally is a bad idea on a football field because you do get hurt, but didn't the thought of Najee Harris kind of dance in your oh, head from last December when you saw that play? Yeah, no doubt about it. And he really kind of, you know, hit the ground running when he landed from that leap. There's no doubt. It's spectacular. and. And, and again, what I love about him is he, he is an extremely confident football player. He believes in himself and he believes that he can, uh, you know, jump over buildings to, to, to attempt to get into the end zone. So uh, all good. I mean, really a lot of positives with Logan Diggs in the last month. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him develop uh, for the next couple of years. All right, another young player to talk about. And you wrote about him this week uh, in an article on irishillustrated.com called Chip Off the Old Blocker. Uh, Tim, this is a great article. It examines uh, the the Joe Alt story. And, of course, Joe Alt's father, John Alt, played 13 years in the NFL. He was a left tackle uh, in the uh – Chiefs Hall of Fame, uh, two-time Pro Bowl player. But one nugget among many that I took from your article was that Joe Alt and John Alt, for that matter, have a connection to a legendary Notre Dame offensive line coach. Tell us about that. Well, uh, yeah, John Alt was coached, but he played for Hayden Fry at Iowa. His offensive line coach was Kirk Ferentz, who, of course, has been the, the head coach there for 22 years. Well, uh, Kirk Ferentz was a grad assistant at Pittsburgh in 1980, which overlapped the tenure at Pittsburgh of offensive line coach Joe Moore. And Joe Moore, of course, eight years later came to Notre Dame and has become a legendary figure in Notre Dame football history, Notre Dame offensive line history. So, um, you know, technically, John Alt was taught by Kirk Ferentz, who was taught by Joe Moore. So uh, a few steps removed, there's a definite Notre Dame-Joe Moore connection to John and Joe Alt. Yeah, I loved watching how those coaching trees grow, and that was one really struck me when I read that in your article. Go to irishillustrated.com for a really good uh, in-depth story about Joe Alt and his father, who he credits with a lot of his early success here at Notre Dame. All right, and let's talk some more about the offensive line. Tim, as we sit here today, what would be your guess as to the makeup of the Notre Dame starting offensive line next season? I think it will be Joe Alt at left tackle, Andrew Kristofik at left guard, Jarrett Patterson at center. Then it gets a little tricky because I think Josh Ludd might want to return like like uh, Jarrett Patterson does as well. So if that were the case, maybe sliding into right guard would be Blake Fisher. It's a good situation now. I mean, now that they've gotten past the rough patch from last year and the indication that a couple of fifth-year seniors want to take advantage of COVID year, I mean, you have several options there. If you move Blake Fisher to guard, I mean, he's certainly capable of playing right tackle or, or left tackle. So, you know, I, I would imagine that you, um, um, you know, maybe Josh Lug doesn't come back and then you just slide uh, – you, you slide Fisher into that spot, and you have to find a guard, which could be Rocco Spindler, a very highly touted young guard for Notre Dame right now. Yeah, and suddenly we'd feel a little bit better about the experience coming back. Uh, and, and we actually obviously do, 100%. I think it's going to be an experienced line next year. 
it should be a bright spot for the Irish. Tim, a few more CFP rankings to go before this is all sorted out. Uh, Irish now up to eighth. I'll cut straight to the chase. Tim, if the Irish win out and Bama takes their second loss in the SEC title game, and that's kind of what Chalk would say should happen, should Notre Dame jump Alabama in the CFP? They'd have two losses. Notre Dame won. You know, I'm old school, and I think a second loss should eliminate you from the competition, but that's not how things are judged these days. So I really think that if, like, if Alabama had a close loss to Georgia, I think there'd be a, a, a good chance that Alabama would stay ahead of Notre Dame. Um, I do think you have to keep an eye on Oklahoma State. I know they sit at number nine, but they're going to have opportunities to beat Oklahoma not once but twice. If that is the case, um, and I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I, they're, they're certainly capable of uh, uh, of competing with Oklahoma. Oklahoma struggled with just about everybody they've played. So, you know, I still think it's a, a difficult path, largely because Notre Dame can't really raise its profile, as I, as I mentioned earlier, against a couple of three and seven teams. So it's, it's possible uh, if they don't get in, they're going to be right on the fringe. And then if Cincinnati goes to the, the, uh, the playoffs, Notre Dame go to the Fiesta Bowl. And if Cincinnati doesn't go to the playoffs and Notre Dame doesn't make the playoffs, also, then Notre Dame would go uh, to the Peach Bowl and play the winner of the ACC. Okay, so that's not determined where the Irish would go if they don't make the Final Four, uh, obviously. So it, that, that depends that, on Cincinnati because they wouldn't yeah. want, you know, Cincinnati would definitely go to the Fiesta Bowl if they did not make the playoffs, and of course they wouldn't want to. Ha- they wouldn't want a rematch between Notre Dame and Cincinnati. So that actually answers one of my questions, and that is, have you made your plane reservations yet? Because <laughs> I oh, haven't made mine. No. All right, I want to talk about style points, and that's also part of this this uh, this conversation. Obviously, Notre Dame probably left some points on the field last week. They won twenty eight to three, though. Uh, you know, just a total domination. Could have scored some more, but Brian Kelly has never really been interested in style points. Should Brian Kelly be interested in style points, Tim? Is it necessary in this day and age for you to score some points and put your foot on the gas when uh, the game is over yeah because everything's a beauty contest i mean now now we, we've reached the point where we ignore losses to a large extent if we look at a team and say well that team's great they're better than that team and and, and i don't think you can disregard losses i really don't but that's where we are in the process and could notre dame have scored more yes don't we usually say notre dame could have scored more yes and so I think from that standpoint, I, you know, I, the, the expression style points, I need to come up with a better one. I shouldn't even use it. I don't like it. But man, in a day in a day and age where teams are judged beyond wins and losses, which it, which baffles me many times because that's why we play the games. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I think Nordane needs to uh, in certain instances. And you know what? They would have had 35, but they fumbled at the five. Uh, but you know, I, we, we frequently say, how many times have we said this year, Phil, through the first 10 games, Notre Dame left points on the field and they did against Virginia. They dominated them, but unfortunately, uh, it's a beauty contest. Sometimes you need to take advantage of that. Yeah. It's that eyeball test or, you know, do, do you pass the eyeball test? And it's not just about wins and losses anymore. I guess we've known that for a while. Uh, Brian Kelly claims he's not all that interested in, the eyeball test, or he's just interested in winning, and I think he has proven that since at least nineteen or twenty sixteen. The other thing to consider is that 
you know, the flu bug was running through the team and it's, you know, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. They're not going to get home until the wee hours in the morning. And I certainly can understand a coach thinking we just want to run the clock and get out of here as soon as we can uh, regroup and uh, pick up the pieces and, and head into Georgia tech week. I get that part. Absolutely. And uh, I understand that point as well. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 366th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. The Irish have won 14 straight games in the month of November, a streak that dates back to 2017. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. Georgia Tech comes to visit this week. TV coverage on NBC begins at 2.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And this year, in honor of 25 years on the air, we are focusing on the great running backs of the Fighting Irish preview years, the last quarter century. And so far this season, we have honored many greats, including last week, Dexter Williams. And now this week, Tony Jones Jr. In high school, Tony Jones Jr. was a two-sport star, playing for Florida powerhouse IMG Academy in Bradenton. As a baseball player, he batted 491. On the football field his senior year at Talent Rich IMG, he averaged 6.6 yards a carry and scored 11 TDs on just 78 carries. Notre Dame was interested in Jones, as were a lot of teams, but Tony had never been a Notre Dame fan growing up and really wasn't interested in attending Notre Dame. But his mom insisted he go on a visit. On that visit, he said that he was so impressed that he, quote, just fell in love. He committed to the Irish the next day. Coming into Notre Dame as one of the top-ranked running backs in the nation, he first saw action his sophomore season. He ran for 232 yards on 44 carries with three touchdowns and excelled on special teams. By his junior season, he was a key cog in the 2018 playoff run, sharing the change of pace role with Jafar Armstrong behind Dexter Williams. Against Vanderbilt that season, he led the Irish with 118 yards rushing as well as 56 yards receiving. He also flexed his receiving skills against USC that year with a 51-yard touchdown reception. Despite playing through a high ankle sprain for much of the year, Jones finished the year with 392 rushing yards and three TDs. Jones started 12 games as a senior and was a major part of a dynamic offense. Against Virginia, he had 131 yards and scored three times. Against USC, he had the biggest ever career rushing day, 
for him at 176 yards. And then in the Camping World Bowl win over Iowa State, he scored on an 84-yard run. And boy, do I remember that play. The longest rush in Notre Dame bowl game history. Jones, who again played through injuries his senior year, finished out that year with 857 yards and six TDs. Tim, Notre Dame since has brought in several players from IMG, but Tony Jones Jr. was the first player ever out of that prestigious prep school to come to South Bend. And along with his sparkling personality, he just kept making plays on some really good teams. A ton of respect for Tony Jones Jr. I mean, here's a guy that really maximized his talent. Not that he wasn't one of the top running backs in the country coming out of IMG, he certainly was. But the competition was stiff for Notre Dame, and he really emerged uh, among some guys that were projected, you know, maybe a little bit better than him. Not a guy that, uh, you know, you mentioned the 84-yard run, which was spectacular against Iowa State. Not his forte per se, not a not an outside zone runner. But a lot of respect for him, and he's in the NFL and continuing to maximize his abilities. Yeah, currently a member of the New Orleans Saints. Tony Jones, Jr., Notre Dame, 2016-2019, to another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish victory. Georgia Tech is 3-7. and seven. Last week against Boston College, they took a 21-7 first-half lead but BC quarterback, the former domer, Phil Jerkovic, lit him up by accounting for five total touchdowns, including two passing and three on the ground. Final score, BC 41, Tech 30. The Yellow Jackets own a 45-22 win over North Carolina in Week 4. And with the exception of Pitt in Week 5, who defeated Tech 52-21, to they have been competitive into the fourth quarter in all of their losses. Decent on offense, but issues on defense sums up the season for the Yellow Jackets. Tech has gone back and forth between quarterbacks this season. The number one guy, Jeff Sims, did not play last week due to an injury and is questionable this week. If he can go, Sims is a dual threat who is completing 60% of his passes, good for 12 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He has also rushed for 372 yards and four TDs. If he can't go, his backup is Jordan Yates, who looks to be similar in style. Last week against BC, Yates completed 17-28 for 126 yards and one TD with an interception. He also ran for 47 yards and a touchdown. No matter who plays quarterback, this is an offense that is close to the middle in national ranks for points and yards. Tech is averaging 28.6 yards per game and slightly over 400 yards of total offense. Tech's biggest offensive threat is running back Jameer Gibbs. Second nationally in all-purpose yards, he leads the Yellow Jackets in both rushing and receivings. He has scored seven TDs, a total that includes a 98-yard kickoff return score last week against BC. This week, Brian Kelly referred to him as, quote, the player of the year in the ACC. Strength, speed, and shiftiness. If he gets to the second level, he has home run ability. Besides Gibbs catching the football as a trio of solid receivers, Kyrie McGowan may be the best of them, and he has seven touchdown catches. Defensively, the Yellow Jackets are ranked near the bottom in many categories, including points and total defense. They've been particularly vulnerable against the pass, giving up an average of 272 yards through the air each game. Despite those numbers, they were able to hold Sam Howell and North Carolina to just 22 points. 
Senior linebacker Quiz Jackson is the leading tackler on the team and is 12th nationally with 96. Senior Charlie Thomas leads the team with three sacks. He also has two interceptions and a fumble recovery. Rushing the passer has not been their forte. They are 104th in the nation with just 16 sacks. Since taking over the Yellow Jackets in 2019, head coach Jeff Collins has had two straight three-win seasons and now may be headed for a third in a row with number one Georgia on the schedule next after the Irish. Tim, this team has a look of improvement overall the last couple years, but at three and six, it's not showing up in the win column. And similar to Virginia, Georgia Tech has problems defensively, but weapons on offense. What is the Aspen mortgage key to an Irish victory? Yeah, Georgia Tech just hasn't learned how to win and pull out those close games. So as I look at this, and Notre Dame, you know, flu, like I said, the flu is still affecting the team. It's getting late in the season. It's a team Notre Dame should beat. So it really comes down to this. No catastrophes. No three turnovers in the first half like you had against Cincinnati. Uh, no touchdowns that are called back because of penalties. Pick sixes against you. Fumble returns for touchdowns, which happened last year against Georgia Tech. And frankly, Notre Dame goes up 14 nothing early in that game if that doesn't happen. So uh, Jameer Gibbs is great. You know, no more, no 98-yard kick returns, things like that. And Notre Dame, if they avoid those things, they come away as a pretty easy winner in this game. Okay, let's say take care of the details, no catastrophes. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? We expect this to be Kyron Williams' last game in Notre Dame Stadium. And fresh on his mind, because I know he's inspired by things like this, is the Dope Walker Award snub. He's not one of the 10 finalists, and obviously he's a great running back and one of the 10 best in the country his numbers just don't indicate that so I'm saying Kyron Williams big day it's a good opponent to run the football against as it is and Kyron Williams is one of the best okay Kyron Williams let's show your stuff and he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week Aspen Mortgage for all your mortgage needs call 486 loan it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy your choice for physical therapy now with 21 Indiana locations Tim where do the Irish stand health-wise this week? We've talked about the flu. Uh, Brian Kelly late in the week gave us uh, some more details on that. But otherwise, the Irish in pretty good shape. Yeah, the, the, the flu has carried over. And, you know, like, for example, we were supposed to speak with Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa on Tuesday, and he couldn't speak, literally. He had lost his voice. So it's a, it's a little carryover from last weekend. Obviously, he sat out. Um, no Kyle Hamilton, as we mentioned. Avery Davis, of course. Drew White might be one who would argue about no one with injuries since he has a torn labrum in his right shoulder and a, and a torn PCL in his left knee, but uh, he can play through that. So pretty good, I mean, really good health status for Notre Dame for it being week 11. Well, let's just get through a couple more weeks with that sort of a report, and that'll make me very happy. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction brought to you by PolyPro. Beautiful, four times stronger than epoxy, lifetime warranty garage floors in one day. Check them out at polyprofloors.com. My wife and I love our PolyPro floor. Look them up on Facebook or go to polyprofloors.com. 
Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by 17. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, Georgia Tech has lost uh, seven games, uh, the most by 31, I think it was, against Pittsburgh, and then 11 to Boston College. Otherwise, the games have been close. Uh, this is senior day at Notre Dame. I mentioned about, you know, the late trip to Virginia and the, the health and all those things. So Notre Dame could have a bit of a hangover starting out. We don't know which quarterback Notre Dame will face, Jeff Sims or Jordan Yates. Fairly similar, uh, both with the ability to hurt you with the, their feet. But Notre Dame's going to run the football. And I really think the key is just uh, preventing Jameer Gibbs from being a game-breaker. I think this is a little bit closer than a point spread, maybe a little bit lower scoring than anticipated just because we've reached that point of the season. I have a 35 to 20 score in favor of Notre Dame. 35 to 20, Notre Dame 35, Georgia Tech 20. That is Tim Priester's world famous Irish illustrated prediction. Uh, Tim, the Irish, once again, uh, they're going to find room to operate that offense. This is really uh, a, a rehash of what I said last week. and They're good enough defensively to limit the points Yellow Jackets are going to be able to put on the scoreboard. I do worry about Jameer Gim's home run ability, but the Irish will roll in this game eventually. Notre Dame 38, Georgia Tech 20. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions.